TV Campfire Podcast. I was like, yep, okay, so you win for the week. <laughs> We're here. I hate to sound like a broken road. Oh, no! We're fans. It's one of the best things on television. Oh! oh! All right, you got to hold it. Oh, no, you didn't. We talk TV. That was the best scene ever. Like, that I, blew I, me away. It was absolutely amazing. I just couldn't believe it. Welcome to the show. This is podcast number 400, and I am. <laughs> and I am Livia, your host, and this week we have a lot of guests. Hi, this is Allison, and I write reviews for Wadenopolis. This is Tom, I'm executive director of screenwriting at Azusa Pacific University in Los Angeles. Hi, this is Yusan, I'm a costume designer and a TV enthusiast. Hey, this is Peter, a pop culture junkie and a WeHo resident. <laughs> and this is God. And this is Ronnie Blast from the Past. Woohoo! Living in New Mexico. And this is Aaron. I'm an actor, writer, and a comic book fanatic. Yay! Thank you guys Woo! for making 400 special. I really appreciate it. All right, let's start off with the news. First up, this is for Allison. Penny Dreadful is back at Showtime. What? Yes, it has yeah. been uncancelled. Well, well, no, I'm... it's they're doing a they're doing a sequel to it, a and I, I a follow up, and I, I really kind of hope that they they end it in a better way than oh, I'm tired of this. We're ending it now, um, which is kind of how the last one did. It was it it had a lot of good going for it, but yeah, the ending was disappointing, and I'm really hoping that they sh- you know show a little more attention span <laughs> where the finale is concerned when they wrap this one up too. So, so but I'd otherwise, say... yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I figured. I was like, oh, they made this just for Allison. That's when I saw that news. Uh, Divorce has been renewed for season three at HBO. Alone Together has been canceled at Freeform. Um, whoever was watching that. Uh, Daniel Kalua will join the cast for an animated series called Watership Down for Netflix. Oh, my God. I love Watership Down. Oh, me too. Me too. <laughs> Well, I'm glad you guys know what it is because I don't, and so I'll be oh, surprised. Famous what? book was an animated series in the 70s. Yes. Okay. No, it's a I'm... classic. Elementary school. We acted out the roles. I have no <laughs> idea what you're talking about. Not at my elementary school, apparently. But uh, uh, Barry Jenkins has been given a first look deal at Amazon. And Tom, please explain to us what a first look deal is. Basically, it means if you have an idea for a series, they get first right of refusal. Okay. There you go. Um, Showtime's Halo series has decided that they're going to, because the, all, all, anyone who knows about Halo knows that the Master Chief is the center of it, but he wears a helmet and never takes it off. But And so everyone was assuming that the Halo series would be about other people. However, Showtime has just announced their live series will be about the Master Chief. So he will be the lead character, which makes sense if... For Halo, I need the Master Chief. And will uh, they take take his helmet off? They have I not said so. that. <laughs> well, the whole thing is the reason he doesn't take his helmet off because he could be anybody. He could be you. You are the Master Chief. That's right. kind of the point. But uh, I don't know. They haven't said if he's going to take his helmet off. Um, okay. The wait. Oh, the ranch has been renewed for season four on Netflix. For the five, well, I can't say five people. It's actually a really popular series on Netflix. I'd like to. I watch it. I watch. Really? It. I, I had do. no idea. Um, yeah. I was just trying to throw I shade. I was trying to throw imaginary okay. shade. She's, 
She's casting shade. I was. I Sam Elliott. Leave me alone. I do like me some Sam Elliott, but I just, I like him in serious, like, cowboy movies. He uh, is just all cowboy and everything, so yes. I don't care. <laughs> uh, BBC America uh, is adapting Terry Pratchard's Discworld series to uh, a serious drama called The Watch. Yes. So. For the people who are waiting for Discworld to become a series, your wish has been granted. Uh, Tom, do you have news? Bunch of news. J.J. Abrams is looking for an overall mega deal, and we're talking half a billion dollars plus. That would cover TV, film, games, digital, theme park rides, etc. So he's, et like, he's just announcing that he wants a deal? His Warner Brothers... Con- oh, dude, he's got suitors lined up. His Warner Brothers TV contract expires next May, and his Paramount film deal ends in March 2020. So... We'll see what happens with that. CBS is developing a Rescue 911 reboot with a live component and William Shatner returning to host. Uh, CBS All Access renewed Strange Angel for season two. The the streaming service that may be known as Disney Play is working on a Falcon Winter Soldier miniseries from one of the Empire writers. Uh, FX has greenlit... Kate Blanchett to play Phyllis Shafley in the miniseries Mrs. America. HBO has cast Naomi Watts as the lead in the Game of Thrones prequel. Oh, I knew that. Netflix has given BoJack Horseman a sixth season, and they've also greenlit a Prince documentary documentary from Ava DuVernay. I knew the the Game of Thrones prequel with Naomi Watts has me excited. Well, just the Game of Thrones prequel period has me excited, but, you know. Mm -hmm. When did we find out that there was going to be a prequel? We found that out a while ago. They're making uh, yeah. four shorts, just four, well, they, just just four like films, short films. Well, not short films, but short. I thought they developed four scripts and they've gone with the one that Jane Goldman's attached to direct. Oh, I thought they were going to make. Uh, I maybe I misunderstood it, but I thought they were going to make four different. They did ask for four scripts at different time periods, and I thought they were going to make all of them, and then they were going to do a prequel. I knew they were doing a prequel, definitely. But I didn't realize that they were, like, auditioning the scripts to figure out which one is going to be the prequel. That was my understanding. Okay, well, I understood it wrong. All right. Uh, Let's go move on with the shows. And we have a lot. So I am breaking out the timer. Um, And let's get... Wait, as I say that, I'm literally breaking out my timer. Where's my timer? Okay, here we go. And let's start off with The Walking Dead. And this is the penultimate episode of probably what I will be watching. Um, <laughs> because uh, this one was called The Obliged. And it basically set up the hypocrite called Daryl, who gave a big speech about how Rick needed to let go of his son and move on so that they could kill Negan because they hadn't let go of. Glenn and I was like, uh, you know, your speech doesn't make any sense, right? Um, and then he stole Rick's uh, radio. So then when the walkers come and he's impaled on a rod at the end of the episode, he doesn't have a radio to call for help. So whatever happens to Rick, I 100% blame Daryl. Okay. Anyone else have an opinion? <laughs> Allison, come on. Um. Well, I mean, yeah, it's pretty much that i the, the the whole episode it's like you could you could tell the you know exactly what was going to happen from the moment that the episode started it's like you know they 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 have 
Daryl pursuing when when Rick first called right for for them to tra- to, to stop to relay the message, and and you knew that it was just going to go absolutely nowhere. And of course, you know she just puts down the the yeah because she's from and she's from the, the yeah because she's from uh, Oceanside and exactly and Maggie so made a deal with anything. yeah so she Maggie so made a deal with like, Oceanside totally predictable and when rick rides off it's like oh daryl's gonna follow him and stop him and uh, you know and that's exactly what happened he gets him to go on a motorcycle and and rick of course trusts that oh sure he's gonna do exactly the well, right why thing. wouldn't he and trust the, him because they're because he's been showing every, for, you know signs for for ages now that he wants something very different from what rick does they've had an argument about they have it. but he's never betrayed him I mean, yeah, ever. And I, so, I don't think he considers this betrayal. Remember, he's trying to stop Maggie, and he agrees with Maggie. So it's, like, predictable. And then, of course, you know, they get off and they start arguing, and you know they're going to go rolling into a ditch or some other way that's going to make them vulnerable. And, you know, of course that happens. And and walkers come. And it's like it's like by numbers. You could, you could just predict every step of the way. Well, that wasn't, exactly what was that wasn't really my issue so much as because you know they have to set up the situation where Rick meets his demise. You know, and you well, know yeah, that's coming. I, I but, know exactly, but it doesn't have to be so paint by numbers. That's the thing. It's, it's What's making me angry is how lazy the writing is. That it's just it's just, well, well I, you know we need to get to this, so we're just not even going to try, and we're going to do it this way. Well, my so, thing is, I feel like that, that that part doesn't bother me. What bothered me was just they were talking about how emotional Rick and Daryl's conversation is. Like they were advertising that for weeks, and I didn't feel it. Be- I felt it from Rick. Like he was legit upset about the betrayal because, in his point of view, Daryl's betrayed him. So from his point of view, I felt all the emotion, and then. When he's telling Rick that he needs to let go of Carl, I was like, punch him in the face! <laughs> like, I was, like, yelling at the screen. Um, so, yeah, and I, I'm still not ready for this week's episode. I'm not. I, I, I mean, they've given us six months warning that this is happening, and I am not emotionally ready for it at all. So that's all I'm thinking about right now. So I know you don't care as much about the show as I still, unfortunately, do, but... Yeah. All right. That's all. I don't have anything else to say. <laughs> I'm just really not looking forward to this last episode. Uh, and Allison, are you going to keep watching or are you done? I don't know. It depends. It depends really on this next episode. Um, there, there are things that I'm, I'm still possibly interested in, invested in other characters that I still like, but you know the writing is just becoming, as I said, so sloppy at this point that I, I'm just wondering if I really want to waste my time. So I, you know, it's for me, it's never been all about Rick. Although I think that the storyline, from a dramatic standpoint, should have begun and ended with his character. Right. Um, but you know, the that aside, you know, it's it's dependent on what they do with the rest of the story, and if it, if they're able to pull this out. And and make the rest of it watchable, then I guess I'll still be tuning in. And if not, if it's just going to be the same way the last episode was, where with well, we need to get from point A to point B, and we no longer care how we get there, it, then now nah, they're going to lose me. Well, I don't think that's going to be the case. I mean, they literally literally had okay, we have five episodes to get Rick off the show. So I mean, I get that, 
that they were under a time crunch for that, but whatever. Oh, I, I understand that, but you can do it artistically, or I'm you can not, just do it yeah. like it's a job. And and I think that they went with the latter. Uh, let's move on, because I'm just going to start crying on the podcast, and that's just <laughs> ugly. All right, uh, next up, we're going to talk about Doctor Who. And uh, this episode was basically, the Doctor gets everyone back to the right time. Everyone gets to go home. They get attacked by... Spiders that are giant, giant, sorry, giant spiders and a faux Donald Trump. Uh, that part was so over the top and hit you in the head that it it was ridiculous. This was the first misstep for Doctor Who for me. I did not enjoy this episode. Other thoughts? Anybody else want to chime in? Um, I want to say something just because for contrast, um, I a thousand percent agree with you about the you know, the Trump thing, although I thought it was funny and interesting that they made they made it a point to say, um, I hate Donald Trump or, you know, or he hates him or whatever. So even though we were getting, you know, a, a Trump-like figure, they actually addressed it in the script that he wasn't Trump. I don't know if that was for legal reasons. Yeah, I think it's help. more for legal than anything yeah. else. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, but, but he, he wants to be Trump's competitor in 2020. Exactly. Right. That's Yeah, that's my point. The script made made it clear that he wasn't supposed to be Trump. But, I mean, we all know what, where they were going with that. Um, so, you know, I didn't love the episode by any means, but I, I wanted to say because I'm not sold completely on the new Doctor or the show, but I actually liked this episode, minus the Trump stuff, which I don't even want to talk about. Um, you know, Libby and I talked mm-hmm. about it briefly about how um, especially in a show like this, especially in a show like this, I don't need it to be topical. I, it's like yep. sci-fi. It's historic. Yep. You know what I mean? It's, it's you know, there's plenty of shows that do politics and topical and they do it well and, you know, whatever. I don't need my Doctor Who, to, especially a British show, to, like, you know, put their toe into the political whatever. I just don't. So I was disappointed with that, although I was happy that it wasn't the, I mean, it he wasn't the, he wasn't the main story. I mean, he was a huge component of it, but it was, you know, it was arachnophobia. So, and you know, that's fine too. uh, But I will only make this point. I like the show better than I have since the beginning, because I really started to actually care for the sidekicks. I, I, I was really unhappy with that. We were going to get so many and, uh, you know, and I thought, ugh, you know, it's like United Colors of Benetton. There's an old white guy. There's a young black guy. There's an Indian woman. You know what I mean? And I was like, great, you know. Um, and I'm not happy about Team TARDIS. We already have Team Flash. I do not. I mean, that really made me cringe and kind of break my heart. Um, however, that being said, it has this episode did actually int- boost my interest in the show because it does have heart. And I thought the especially the little speech about how he wanted to why he wanted to come along the the older gentleman Graham. yeah yeah Graham. you know what i mean and it was very organic it was believable it made me you know it it rooted it in some sort of truth and heart mm-hmm. and it feel good about them as opposed to being annoyed about them so oh. this was a winner for me only because it's definitely made me feel like yeah i, I want to see i, I want to see how this this works. You know, so that's all I wanted well, to say. Okay. Tom? And I'll chime in too. Oh, oh. oh, go ahead. Ronnie, go ahead. 
And I was just going to chime in that actually, like, it wasn't my favorite episode. One, I hate spiders. And so- <laughs> 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 oh my but overall, I just really enjoyed it. I feel like it's such a breath of fresh air where the last couple, you know, series or seasons of Doctor Who, it's just, it just was slogging through them. And I love the new Doctor. And I forgot who it was that talked about it last week. But it does, she does remind me of, of David Tennant's Doctor. I so I love that. Okay. Yeah. And so, you know, and I and I actually I like the new companions and I like that there are three. I, I, it's taking it in a different direction. And so I'm just in, you know, so again, this episode itself wasn't my favorite. But overall, I'm just so happy for a new season, a new doctor, a new runner. Yay, Doctor Who. Back <laughs> <in my day. laughs> hey, hey, Livia, can I can I uh, can I opine and then give you a tie into Supergirl? Okay, well, let's see how you do it. <laughs> so I'm going to uh, I'm, I'm going to reinforce what you son said on a couple of levels. I love the I love the new Doctor. I love the new companions. I mean, the episode itself wasn't the strongest, but that scene when they get when Graham's in the empty apartment and is having memory memory hits slash visions of his late wife. Right. That was so incredibly moving. I, I kind of wish they hadn't killed her off so soon because they had really great chemistry. Yeah, yeah. But that's a sign yeah. of uh, that the writers and actors are doing a great job when you miss somebody like that. And just the relationship between the three characters, it really reminds me of some of the early seasons of Original Who when we had, for the first Doctor, we had three companions. And... Yeah. Two of them had rela- had a relationship with each other. So the fact that Ryan is kind of the linchpin bet- because Ryan's connected to Graham and Ryan's connected to Yaz. So that works. I- I'm digging this season. I showed my genre studies sci-fi class, uh, Rosa, Tuesday, and they loved it. And many of them had already seen it because they're sci-fi nerds already. Here's the tie to Supergirl. I, wa- I don't necessarily need my fantasy shows to tie into reality. <laughs> if it's done well and organically, that's one thing. However, the ham-fisted Chris Noth character in Doctor Who and the way that they're laying out this season of Supergirl with Agent Liberty, not working at all. Too heavy-handed, too didactic, and it's not what I want from those shows. I you know, agree. I think it's the heavy-handedness that really is the problem here because, you know, the the fact is, actually, Doctor Who, first of all, they deal with social issues a yes. lot in Doctor Who and have from the very beginning. But they also have, you know, the thing is, as Americans, we don't see the political uh, stuff that... that they do in Britain. We don't. We don't notice the references that go by, and there have been a lot of them, even in classic Who, where where they would make references to political things that just go completely over the heads of of us because we're not we're not you know plugged into that. But we caught the whole Donald Trump thing. Excuse yeah. me, the whole Donald Trump it thing was, because it was a frying pan reasons. in the face. Yeah. No yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I think you know they've they've done that kind of thing before, and I think when they pull it off successfully is when they do it with a light touch. It's it was the it was the 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 you know whole piano on the head kind well, of let's, thing. Let, let's move that they on. Did with this. Saying, wait, let's... wait, wait, wait! I want to wait, wait, wait. Move on. I didn't get to say anything. Whoa! Oh, about Doctor Who. I was no, going to move on to Supergirl. Well, Supergirl. well we're, I was about to move on because I think we were still on Doctor Who. Oh, so I wanted I'm to sorry. say. I wanted sorry. to say yes. I agree. Let's move on. Let's officially move on to Supergirl. Peter, your opinion of Supergirl and its heavy-handed dealing with politics. <laughs> okay, so I think in, I would say that I know what Tom and Allison 
I think it was Tom and Allison who were saying that mm-hmm. about things being heavy handed. I, I, I understand. You know, Actually, I, it was fun. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, and I understand because I'm, you know, I'm a kid of the 70s and 80s and like things being, you know, more overt and stuff and less subtle to me artistically has always seemed a little like a little obvious. Um, so I get that. I, I, I get that. You know, I would I would always I mean, I guess, it, you know, in movie terms, I'm always more of a Spike Lee person than a John Singleton person because think Spike Lee, I've always thought it was always more layered and Singleton, I've always thought was always kind of. Well, just obvious, you know. Well, like, yeah. We're talking about Supergirl. Let's get to so, Supergirl. But, however, however, I have to say, I have to say that um, with the exception of Get Out, which I think is more subtle, I actually am surprised that I think because of the world we live in now, in this Trump era, strangely, I, I find myself engaged more by these things that we see as heavy-handed or obvious. And if only for the fact that especially for a show like Supergirl and probably probably Doctor Who also because I haven't seen this new Doctor Who but both of those shows are made for younger audiences as I recall Doctor Who is like little kids can walk you know they're like never as I recall both shows are not ever super dark or super violent and everything and they're kind of made for everybody so my position with Supergirl and I would take the same with Doctor Who is that while adult Tom and adult Yusin and adult Peter yeah we might roll our eyes a little and be like ah this is kind of obvious and stuff I have to keep remembering that if I'm a, you know, if I'm a 14-year-old or a 12-year-old girl watching Supergirl or watching Doctor Who and I'm seeing these things about the Trump era and about immigration, yeah, I, I do think that stuff is important and I do think that these are well executed for that. It doesn't mean that I don't think that Tom's not right to roll his eyes, but I, I think that, yeah, I'm, I'm happy that. Well, can we talk about the episode specifically, please? So this, so this particular episode was... I know Supergirl is not the first one to do this, but it, it's an episode where you're basically seeing it could either be a villain or it could just be a nobody, but it's basically an episode where you're seeing um, how other people live in the universe of these major characters. So, so Kara and Alex are like, and John are barely in it. They're only seen as like, Oh, who's that person? You know, the main focus is on this guy who we later find out is actually the main bad guy. of Agent the- Liberty. Agent Liberty. Yeah, because you find out his origin story. It's basically his origin story. It's basically his origin story, and he's basically got this. Because through the whole thing, he's got this Doctor Doom thing, where he's where you can't, you've never known who he was. Um, now, I will say this as a caveat: in the beginning of Supergirl, I had hit play, and I think I went to go get my dinner or whatever, and I watched the cold open, and I was like, "Oh, this is kind of interesting. It's about this guy in like rural America, and his dad's kind of racist and everything." and but he's like a liberal arts teacher. He's a, I think he's a history teacher. Right. And he's, but he's more liberal. And then you go to the commercial break, and then it says uh, 18 months earlier. So I'm watching the episode, going, "Huh." I was like, "So we're basically seeing how a person who was kind of racist turns into a, a more tolerant person." That was not the episode we were watching. <laughs> <laughs> basically, I, how he gets I, radicalized. Right. I, that it said two years earlier at the opening because I was like getting my food. So I thought the cold open was the present and I thought everything else was eating. So I was like, wow, how is this guy who's so terrible, how is he going to become more tolerant? And then a sort of, you know, once he becomes liberty, I was like, oh, I was like something messed up here. I'm like, what's going on? You know, like, and, and then I realized, however, having said that, 
obviously that's a very different version of the episode than I saw than you guys saw. <laughs> uh, however, it is. It is. However, I gotta say, I thought I thought the actor did a pretty good job, and like I, I don't know. I thought they did a good. I thought I think it's a tricky thing with the writers right now for these things that are more political, where you can't really make the racist guy. And when I say racist, he's really more. Uh, He's a- anti-alien in in the world of Supergirl, but like he's a xenophobe. He's a xenophobe, right? In this world, it's not about him. It's not about us seeing his point of view like we agree with him. It's about, I guess, the writers being like, "This is how somebody can kind of become this." And I thought, in general, I thought it worked pretty well. Now, to me, I thought, and I'll let everybody else talk. My only criticism was more that by the end of the episode. We spent most of the episode with this guy that I thought, in general, seemed somewhat grounded compared to the, you know, the huge superhero aspects of these kind of CW shows. But by the end, he has to meet up with Rona Mitra and her brother, and they're very cartoon villainy. And so at the end, when he actually becomes the bad guy, was my only time where I was more eye-rolly, where I was like, nah, this feels a little cartoony and everything. But in general, in general... I liked it. I thought it was refreshing just to be like, oh, it's kind of interesting. We're seeing a different part of the world and like they barely run into our main characters. So so I enjoyed it. So I now will I'm... say that I didn't buy the turn. I think the turn should have happened at a different place because they basically had him turn from being a super rational, all-inclusive guy to being a xenophobe in very quickly and i didn't yep. think that that should happen that quickly i think the moment that it should have happened was when monel's mom came came in and like they did the big invasion like that was the point where i would understand people becoming xenophobes like that totally made sense but his flip from a one altercation when someone was trying to defend himself like that didn't make sense to me and even peter talked about well the fbi thought he was with the bad guy they lumped him in with the bad guy so that radicalized i was like no that shouldn't have been enough to flip him as hard as he flipped so i I didn't think it was slow at all I, i didn't believe it so i actually i call foul on that but i get the point of what they were trying to do and i like the actor but i just i actually didn't like the writing i thought the it didn't work for me you like the actor, though. Yeah, I've well, always Sam, uh, yeah. Sam Witwer's good. He, he was on Battlestar. I mean, he's yeah, been on I, I like. Everything. Yeah, he's been on a lot of stuff. I like him, well, but I just from... think that the writers just didn't nail it. I think they they're not good enough to pull off this arc. Yeah, exactly and, and my con- point. And it and it concerns me if this is if he's the big bad for the entire season. I may be bailing on this show sooner than I plan to. Yes. All right. Well, we got to move on. We've been talking about supernatural. We've been talking about Supergirl too long. We got to move on. I'm sorry. All right. Okay. All right, next up, we're going to talk about DC's Legends. And, Tom, I'll let you lead this, because did you want to talk about the crazy, sparkly unicorns that eat people's hearts? I love Le- Legends is probably my favorite of the Arrowverse shows. It's so uh, goofy, though. It is absolutely goofy. Well, but but they, they never... The goofy is always mixed with dread, though. <laughs> and the characters are fun. They don't take themselves overly seriously, but... Uh, they did a, hence the sparkly uh, unicorn. Well, the, 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 the killer <laughs> unicorn, and in uh, episode two was the evil fairy godmother. Oh my god, <laughs> she's yes. hilarious! Yes. And 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 the fact that they came close to the edge of of evoking Disney archetypes and would stop, like they'd say "bibbity bobbity," don't say it. <laughs> <laughs> so, although they did have 
see, I think the Legends writers are some of the better writers of the Arrowverse shows because when um, when uh, when uh, Z is making the speech, trying to prevent the uh, the woman from being burned as a witch, she evokes current events, but doesn't cross the line and in making into the ham fistedness. Right, and I yes. just thought that was much better. And and the subplot with Hank's dad, ah, played snooze. by played by Biff from the Back to the Future yeah, trilogy. Yeah, it was super snooze. You didn't like it? No. Oh, I thought it was. Oh, and wow. I, I don't buy him staying on Earth to earn money. Like, why? The, the thing about Nate staying in the past I, or staying in the present or whatever, I don't know if that's going to stick or if he's yeah. But the I, show I, I just what. I, don't, I just didn't think the logic of it made any sense. He because he was like, well, I don't have any money. You know, we're in Legends. We don't need money. But now I need some money because I'm here until I can go home. And then they're like, okay, let's go home. And he's like, oh no, I want to stay and earn money. Like, no, what? And he's like, oh, I want to spend a little more time with my dad. Like that, all of that, none of that worked for me. I didn't buy it. I don't know if he's <laughs> if he's leaving the show or just taking reprise from the time traveling or what. That, that didn't bother me. It, it, it's comic book logic. Come on, don't, it really know. is. You know, right. don't chime in on that too because this is my. I can't believe the show has become one of my favorite because it started off pretty rough, but I no. just love it because. It's popcorn, it's silly, but every once in a while they, they just, you know, sort of um, throw something really nice out. And so it's just it's just a great show, even though, it's again, it's popcorn, you can't take it serious. And I love that they don't take themselves seriously as well. And so to me, it's just um, really nice. You know, in both of these episodes, I was on the floor with the um, with the fairy godmother. That was so awesome. <laughs> that was really good. <laughs> that was really good. And mm-hmm. what a cool twist on, you know, the, the whole story, you know. And so I can't say enough about legends. And again, but you can't take it seriously. You just have to enjoy and go with it, you know. That's true. That is true. All right, well, let's move on. She turned Ray into a pig, okay? <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. All right, let's move sick. on. Next up, we're going to talk about The Flash. And this episode, we finally find out why Nora has a beef with her mom. And the question is, she keeps thinking that, you know, when it all comes out, that her dad will side with her. But I was like, uh, kid, the parents are married. So they love each other first before you. Sorry. Um, but no, but we still don't know why. Like, so that's the thing. It's hard to judge uh, the situation without knowing the mom's reasoning. So I like that Barry was like, I'm not going to judge her without all the information. Um, so her, basically her big deal was my mom took away my powers. She dampened my powers until I figured it out and then I got my powers. And so I hate her. So I get why Nora's mad. Like that totally makes sense. But it doesn't seem like she paused to ask her mother why. She just got angry and ran to the past. But Iris hasn't done it yet, so she doesn't know why. I know, right? But and I'm she's saying, just no, but I'm saying she would do something like that. No, but I'm mom. saying she didn't ask her mom in the future why she did it. Like once she found out, she didn't pause to ask her mom why would you do something like that to me. She just ran to the past to hang out with her dad. So she has no reason. So she doesn't know why her mom did it. Right. And see, that's the kind of thing that drives me crazy with shows like this is that the lazy writing. It's like, you know, the, all, everything could have been resolved if she'd sat down and said, well, mom, why'd you do this? Well, I mean, no, and, but it makes sense that she would... do it. And frankly, there's... I don't uh, think that's lazy. I think that makes sense. I think it's very lazy because why don't characters talk to each other? 
well, whenever I mean, you have a situation where something can be resolved people, with two characters talking to each other and they don't, don't talk to each do other that in real um, life. I mean I'm sorry but that's you're, you're moving the plot along via stupidity well it's, I think the, 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 the thing is people people don't do that in real life people don't talk to their parents when they should talk I get I would get mad at my parents and I wouldn't speak to them like that is real that happens so I don't think that's lazy writing I think that's realistic writing well, me personally you know, I, I, to me, you know, it's it, it's it seems to me that they, you know, they had a decent relationship apparently before she found that out. So why shouldn't that conversation happen? Because and the other thing is that betrayal. frankly, it's a big frankly, betrayal. It's not a betrayal if she from, did it for good reasons. But she doesn't, she doesn't know, know that, that right. because she didn't talk to her. And the thing is, actually, even without talking to her, I could come up with a reason. They're they're up against a bad guy right now who kills people who have powers. So her mother finding a way to dampen, and he wasn't, and we know that he's not caught even in the future. So the fact that her mother dampened her powers and didn't let her know about it i could see that as the perfect reason to protect her from this guy who's killing people with powers that seems reasonable to me and i'm sure that that'll actually turn out to be the reason um but you know the fact that the characters don't even talk about it makes me crazy okay uh, anyone else before we move on i'm gonna have to agree with allison i don't i don't hate the show but i do hate when things are just convenient to move the plot along uh, so I don't I don't necessarily disagree with you either, Libya. I definitely think that there are families out there where people stomp off and this and that and whatever. But I think in that universe, in the type of relationship and the type of person that I think, you know, they are in the family, I would believe I'd be more inclined to believe that that they would have a conversation, you know, or they should have a conversation. Well, I think in the I, moment, I think she made a emotional decision in the moment. Um, I think it's a little bit of the petulant teen trope. I think it's a little soap opera-ish. If two, yeah. pe- if two characters would just say something to each other, we'd never wonder about the twin and the murder and the, you know, whatever. <laughs> so I I really, I don't like that. I, I do think it's a little bit lazy writing. But I'm going to still watch the show. I, I think that she's solid. Every time that the teenager, the XS or whatever her name is, um, she, like, has a big scene. I think to myself, oh, she's going to be so annoying. And then she's not. Like, you know, she... She can act. Well, let's so move on. Let's yeah, move on. I, I didn't love this episode either. Aw, yeah. sad. All right. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about Black Lightning. And this episode, what happened? Uh, oh, Tobias got got sprung. Yep. Yeah, that I don't like. Like, I've... Like, the fact that he... Drama is conflict, Livia. I know. <laughs> but I did like the fact that uh, he tried... Oh, who's, who, Pearson. Pearson? Jeff. Yes. Jefferson. Jefferson. Pierce, thank you. Uh, I like the fact that he tried to testify against him and was like, I saw him kill my dad and blah, blah, blah. And they're like, yeah, and this is why you can't testify. I like that they went through the motions to explain why he couldn't testify and everything. Sally Richardson Whitfield. Yes, I love her. She looks this is she the dir- first this is the first She directed time, the episode too. I was going to but I was going to say this is the first time I've seen her where I actually thought she looked older. She's looked the same age for like 30 years. Black don't crack. And then this is the first time that I've seen her I'm like, "Oh, you're older." Like not like ugly or anything, but she, I was just like, "Oh." She's uh, mature. Yes. Yes. She's still gorgeous. Uh, I'm interested to see what's this going on with Jennifer calling up Khalil. Oh, I'm so Especially over that. after that awesome mm-hmm. fight that she fantasized about the two of them. Well, having. I had a terrifying moment when the fight led to the bedroom. I was like, oh, please don't turn it into a sex scene. 
Like, I had this terrifying... <laughs> well, because... that kind of show. I don't know, man. They had the fight up the stairs into her bedroom, and I was like, please no, please no, and then she kicked him out of the window, and I was like, oh, thank God. She uh, blasted him out the window. Yeah, um, so I was happy about that, but then, yeah, I hate Khalil so much. I know <laughs> you, you wanted to be on the show, but I hate him. I'm He's my him. former student. I know, you have to cheer for him. I don't like well, him in a relationship. I, I cheer for him to reform. <laughs> I don't cheer for him as a supervillain. <laughs> uh, so what did you think of the episode overall, though? Anyone else got any comments? Oh, Aaron, you haven't talked. Um, Go ahead. Yeah. Um, well, with this episode, um, I, you know, it's, it's an interesting arc for me with Anissa playing the uh, Robin Hood of Freeland. Uh-huh. Uh, that's, that's that's interesting. But the thing that, that just really um, got to me in particular with this episode is that um, I'm losing some of the, um, the, the gusto that I felt for Tobias. I feel like he's kind of just is not as interesting um, at the moment for me. And especially also with the pod kids storyline, I'm just ready for it to move ahead and move forward. Yes. Give me something Figure this out. Like, yeah. Yeah. Although, although when the, when the evil science, when the, when the evil scientist tells uh, Lynn that, you know, those DNA samples of her family, <laughs> yeah. the way that Lynn plays it off like oh that's interesting oh I didn't notice that <laughs> imagine a whole family of superheroes right yeah but I just think it's time for this pod kid storyline to advance either set them all free and we have a murderous rampage through Freeland and they all have to stop them or something but I'm ready for something new to happen with that yeah I agree I agree with that um, I was trying to think of anything else interesting happened. Oh, well, the new just principal like, blows. Oh, yeah, we hate him. Oh, so tired of that. Yeah, but also we found that, um, of course, Jefferson was right, which is with her stealing from criminals, they have she's basically escalated the situation. And mm-hmm. for some reason, she didn't see that it was going to escalate. And he was like, There's a reason why I don't do this. And now she's about to find they basically put a hit out on her. So, yeah. 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 That's going to get bigger. Not basically. They did. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, Moving on. Next up, we're going to talk about This Is Us. And this week's episode was... Toby's depressed. Yes, Toby's depressed still. And But this is... What I liked about this one is Kate was actually not selfish. Yes. In this this week's Mm -hmm. episode. She actually... Yes. Was trying to figure out a way to help him and to see stuff from his perspective. And she made it about him and not about her, which she always, he always has to be the strong one. Yeah. So I like that she was the strong one this time. I and she that recognized good. that. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was great. Uh, Allison, your thoughts? Well, I thought the same thing and I, it was nice. And I thought that, you know, the con- the conversation that she had with her mother had a lot to do with that because her mother said, basically, <clears throat> you know, when you, have your own family, you're the one who's going to have to step up and not have to call your mom all the time. You're going to be the one who makes the decisions. And I think very key was when she she didn't ask Toby to go on the walk. She told him, you are going on a walk. Right. And she she, she actually started making those decisions. And and I think that's that's a big step for her away from constantly focusing on herself and and focusing instead on other people. I think that that's just a huge step for her. 
And I think that's going to be an improvement if they keep going in that direction. Right. Um, I think that's going to be a big improvement in her in her character. Right. So you know, big uh, point of growth. Yeah, Ronnie, your thoughts. And I was just going to say along that line, I really like that speech where she came into her own because, again, she's always, you know, so self-absorbed and realizing that, no, there's a bigger world. I have a family. You know, right now it's a dog. I'm pregnant and my husband's suffering and that she was able to come into her own and start helping to pull him out, you know, because, you you know, I, I just like the way that they portrayed it, too, where he started to take the shower, but then, you know, sort of slipped back a little bit. And then she came and pulled him. So I just love that whole storyline to me went really well. Uh, any thoughts about uh, Randall and his running for office? I oh. The one thing I really liked is how that um, I, I love the way that they went way in the black community. He wasn't getting any traction. Uh-huh. And so it ended up going to the South Asian community. And I thought that was a really wonderful twist to bring out another community and not keep it all, say, within the black community that he's been trying to move forward and do other things with. So I just really liked that twist that they did with that. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that that was really nice. And I, I thought that the, you know, he, yes, he used it in a kind of a cynical way at first, but when he he actually gets to know these people, it's it's like, yeah, no, I actually do want to be your representative. I actually do want to make things better for you and he his ability to make that clear to to those people was what kind of won them over to to his side. What I have a problem with is when he went to his his adversary. Yes, no. Why would about? he do that? <laughs> that was dumb. Why? It was like he's gloating. No, no, yeah, no, no. 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 But it's like it's like it's like if you if you found a way to defeat this guy, you don't want to tell him about it so he can turn around and do the same thing. Yeah. I mean, but it's nonsense. it's too late for him to court them though because he's ignored them for so long. Yes and no. There's you know there's there's ways to undermine uh, Randall at the very I mean, especially least. if he knows Randall's strategy. That was yes. stupid. Like. I gotta say that I thought Deja was the MVP for that talk she has with Beth. Oh, oh yes. that was so that, good. That actor is terrific, and I'm glad they made her a series lead this year. And also, only This Is Us could make a plot point out of a dog pooping. <laughs> 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 all right, we gotta move on. I think we're all saying thumbs up. Uh, next Definitely. up, we're gonna talk about The Rookie. And Peter, why don't you start us off what do you think of episode... What are we on? Episode three of The Rookie? Yeah, episode three. Yeah, I think it's three. Um, I, I like The Rookie. I, it's interesting to me how The Rookie and 911 have kind of come out around this. I mean, The Rookie... Or, sorry. 911 is, I w- what you'd say, it's a half season longer? Because it was actually... It was started. mid-season replacement, yeah. But it's funny to me how they, they both take place in L.A. They both have cast some of the cast members are older especially obviously nathan fillion hence the you know that's the premise of the show um but they even have like story elements that have like like in this episode of the rookie somebody got stuck in the atm and i was like we just saw this on 911 uh which it's fine like i don't mind i mean it's just i I don't think it's like one is trying to steal from the other um but i uh yeah i'm enjoying the rookie i I still think it's interesting how um, we're using Nathan Fillion as charming, but he's not really funny the way he is on Castle or on, um, obviously, Firefly. But it still works. And I'm also liking um, the – well, there's three of them, right? Because this is the episode where they're like, well, technically, statistically, one out of three 
is, is gonna is gonna wash out, right? We'll be washed out, and they're like, "Not gonna be any of us." And of course, I'm hoping it's the coward guy. I was like, <laughs> Eve, like, it's fine. Like, um, but no, no. But I, yeah, I was, I, I liked it, and I'm, I've come around to the jerk guy that is. I'm sorry, I'm always terrible with characters' names, but the, so there's the the woman that her the, her Ted. Ted's officer, Ted's yeah, like uh, training officer, To. Right. Yeah. So he got, but he actually is. Like, I do actually like him more now. Although, going back to 911, he has a wife that's a terrible drug addict, just like how on 911, uh, one of the characters. Hen has an ex Hen who's a terrible had drug had addict. Ex that was also a drug addict. It almost feels like it's the same casting. It looks like, like, honestly, I could not tell. It looks, it's like the same LA actress drug addict person. Like, I really can't tell who was who. Um, but but yeah no I'm totally enjoying Rookie I I yeah it's a very very much the kind of show that I watch on my lunch break where I'm like oh the Rookie like it's, very, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, not it's, it's not Game of Thrones where I'm like I need to see this on the biggest television possible like no it's but uh, yeah Aaron it's your your thoughts you're laughing um, I thought you saw it did you see it I, I did see it um you know I, I'm I'm enjoying the run. Um, it's not uh, top of my list. It's one of the shows that I kind of watch like, hey, I want to watch something kind of interesting. So I do enjoy it. I love Nathan Fillion um, and I love his interactions even with the other rookies. Um, I'm loving watching the interactions between um, the rookies and their CEOs, um, I think is, is becoming very, very yeah, interesting. That, that's the best part. I agree. That is. That part is genius. I agree. When I saw the ATM scene, I said, I just saw that. But um, <laughs> I'm hoping that, you know, we're going to see other storylines unfolding. Because what I like is that with uh, what makes it so interesting for me is watching the rookie or Nathan Fillion, watching him have wins and have losses at the same time. So that's what I think is it keeps drawing me into it. So uh, I liked it. All right. Let's move on. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about The Good Place. And this was an okay episode. It was weird. This episode was like the difference between The Good Place and Every Other Comedy is that it's so different from other sitcoms that it doesn't even compare. And this was the first episode of The Good Place that could have been done as a sitcom. Because you have your team and they split up and they're all they're all on earth and nobody has any powers and they're basically just interacting with their family. So Tahani goes and sees her estranged sister, and they literally bury the hatchet, also known as the axe coming at her sister, which was awesome. Uh, and then you had um, Eleanor going to see her mom, who she thought who had faked her own death, but now has a new family and has actually turned out to be a halfway decent person. So it felt weird. It didn't actually almost feel like an episode of The Good Place. Like I thought that the stuff with Tahani and her sister felt like The Good Place way more. It was very. It felt, not better, but it was funnier. The stuff with Eleanor felt more serious, and it was weird. Not yeah, necessarily I, bad weird, but it was weird. No, I agree. I, I, Tahani. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, I just really liked the stuff with Tahani. I thought I thought that, that of the, of, you know, the show's split in two. That was what I preferred over the Eleanor stuff. I just want to say, uh, because I can't disagree that it, that was the funnier aspect of it. And um, I, I wanted to make a comment because the last time I was on the show, I made a comment and and, and Libya kind of, you know, uh, rode me hard on that about saying how <laughs> I, I would you. never. I would <laughs> never. You gave me a lot of guff 
about me saying how I was a little concerned about them being on Earth and how that was going to play out, how they were going to play it out, you know, if, uh, you know, the magical aspect of the show was, wasn't, you know, going to be there and the, you know, the the whole, that whole kind of supernatural aspect of it. Um, and so I want to say that, um, and it was interesting too, because after I'd seen the episode, so it wasn't planted in my head, I did actually read a review about it. And the reviewer said something very similar to what I said. And also what Libby had just said, which is, this was an episode that was, it could have been any sitcom on TV, just flip on the channel. And it's, you know, a con- they make light of family strife, you know, and people make up and blah, blah, blah. But the thing about it is that even though, yes, the Tahani thing was more good place and it was, you know, funnier. The episode actually kind of reminded me or kind of, you know, emphasized for me why the show does work. It isn't just funny. You know what I mean? For me, Kristen Bell is not a revelation. I've always thought she was good, but she really grounds the show. And I thought that her arc that we've been following this entire, every season about her becoming a better person and her actually changing. I thought the exchange between her and her mother was very um, poignant and, and, and realistic. And I know I keep saying the, you know, the realism, but that's kind of what brings me into a show. I mean, there's Uh, it's nice to laugh and it's nice to have these supernatural aspects, but I've got to truly care about these characters. And I thought Kristen did a great job. And as much as I do want more magical stuff and that is the show for me, I didn't mind it in this episode. I, it was just a little break. You know, it's like when Buffy does a musical episode, you know, this is going (laughs) to, you know what I mean? If this is going to be no magic and there, we're just going to deal with family issues. I don't mind that because that is an arc. That's the, that's the entire you know, conceit of the whole show is is to make these people better. And we've been following Eleanor becoming a better person. Um, and so I really liked it. I thought it was like a nice emotional payoff for me. And as long as it doesn't stay that way, having said that, I do want magical doors and I do want demons and I do want, you know, other kind of stuff. But for, for now, I'm okay with it. So, but we'll see how long, you know, they, they go on this track. All right. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about legacies, which means everybody but me. I am mum and muted. Uh, this is episode two. Uh, I forgot the name of the episode. Uh, no, that's the name of the next episode. Yeah. Never mind. Something about a dragon. No, I'm sure it's not called that, but go ahead. <laughs> what did you guys think? Somebody. Um, okay, <laughs> I'll go first. Um... I I enjoyed all the dragon stuff. I thought that that was an interesting storyline. Um, them pursuing uh, what's his name, the kid who stole the the uh, knife. All of that was was good, and I I enjoyed that. Um, all the stuff having to do with the football game though just irritated me. The whole mean girl, mean kid thing is exactly why I stay away from shows having to do with teenagers. So I, you know, for, for me, this was, this was not as successful an episode as, as the pilot was. I like the pilot better and I'm hoping that we get more of the, the, you know, supernatural stuff and less of the, you know, teen angst nonsense that we got in this episode. Well, see, I, okay, well, actually, hmm, I also think this was a weaker episode than the pilot, um, but actually, hmm, I was kind of disappointed in the story you're talking about because while I'm curious about where the dragon thing is going to go, I was a little disappointed. It felt like they kind of backed off. I mean, on last week's podcast, I was saying how much I kind of liked that we have this 
you know, the, the typical teen thing. They fall in love, and then, oh, my God, he's the bad guy. And at first, I didn't like that. But then you see the devastation of the bus, and I was like, oh. I was like, okay. And then she's got that line where she's like, I'm going to be the villain in his story. And I was like, oh, that's great. And it's like now it's like, oh, he's fine. He didn't do it. He didn't mean it. And I was like, oh, man. Like, it felt like they made the pilot, and then they probably made decisions on where they wanted to go for the season. And they decided to maybe keep him as a love interest instead. So I was kind of disappointed that he just seems like an ordinary kid now. See, I don't think he's ordinary. I think there's something else about him, but I didn't think he was the real villain. I never thought he was the the actual villain. And I I didn't either. And I think, like, you know, that they did set it up, and now that they're off doing something else. And I have to admit, I'm one that I actually liked the second um, episode a little bit better, even though I'm not really into the teen ink stuff. So, yeah, so that on the football field, that wasn't um, sort of the, to me, the best use of time. But for me, the way that it developed, I actually liked the second episode better than the premiere because you do get a little bit more information about them. And as you, and especially the, the, um, you know, the, um, the point about with the dragon and, and moving on with that storyline and also moving on with realizing that, that there is something special about him. He's not, you know, he's not that he's the evil and bad, but there is something different about him that's going to, I think, over time be revealed. Yeah. Also, by the way, I didn't mind the uh, the sports thing because, and Allison, you did like this in the pilot, I like the twins, especially the blonde. I really like the twins, yeah. So, I, I like the twins as well. Uh, I just didn't uh-huh. like all the whole, you know, mean kids stuff, which is just this typical, you know. I thought it was very stereotypical, it, yeah. It's a I cliche, it. and it's and it was over the top, and it was meanness for meanness's sake. I didn't even see where it was coming from. Yeah, especially the girl. I mean, mm-hmm. you know. It was, well, they, 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 I guess they have a history, I guess. Like, I, I, no, I'm not saying you guys aren't right that ultimately it is kind of cliche, but. I like that actress, so I was like, all right, fine. Oh, and I also liked getting to know, again, terrible characters, um, the the character, I guess she's a, a bigger African-American uh, player. Like, I liked her. I thought that was- Wait, Wait, what? Wait, there's there's no black women on the show. You mean guy? Wait, maybe the guy. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Caleb? Uh, Are you talking about Caleb, the guy with the dreads? Yeah, the one who was very much like, I want to win. That yeah, one. that's Caleb. That was definitely a guy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Wow. We won't tell him you said that. <laughs> hey, we're in a very fluid world these days. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, very true. Yeah. Very. Look, regardless of the gender, I like the character. That's all I'm saying. Like, <laughs> all right. Well, let's move on. I'm glad the guys still stick in my episodes next week. So yes. at least, at least right. stick in, stick in it for one more episode uh, before you throw in the towel. If you're going to throw in the towel, I know. Uh, wait, let me just say this: I don't think anyone should throw in the towel. I think it's way too soon. I mean, I have my 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 kind of doubts and my thing. I just want to say real, really quickly that I don't love the monster of the week kind of you know situation that I see is going to happen now like I'll prepare myself but I didn't know necessarily that you know I'd heard ramblings and stuff but my, my point is I've had to adjust you know and that's fine but I think it's too soon to tell if the show is you know I would I would encourage our listeners or anyone that there's definitely enough there to like um, you know and it could really get quite good I think it's got a lot of potential um, and a lot of good actors and um, sure, we've all got our gripes, but it's still early on. It's early going. So I feel like people should just kind of give it a chance. All right. Uh, next up, 
we're going to talk about Sabrina, the finish up the discussion. And when I say we, I mean Peter and whoever else saw Sabrina. (laughs) (laughs) Who else saw Sabrina? I'm I'm only up to episode four. Well, I'm on episode three now, so you're still ahead of me. Oh, okay. I've I've seen the whole series. Okay, so how many... You guys talked about it last week, so... Well, I'll say this. I'll say this. This weekend, I watched... I um, was with a friend of mine, and I ended up watching the pilot for the Melissa Joan Hart one, because I know Tom had said how different it was. (laughs) But but it's so, like... I mean, it's not even... Of course, you know? I mean, like, it's such a... It's so cheesy and everything. Although, I will say, the pilot... Melissa Joan Hart. It is a it is a fun little show. It's cute. It's very sitcom-y and everything. Um, How many I, episodes are we talking about on this show? On this one, I've seen three. Um, my only concern with Sabrina, and again, I keep hearing it gets better after episode four. I think five on. So, Allison, you're right at the point. I guess we're supposed to get really good. Mm. The only thing I keep wondering about is that, like, forget, forget. I might be wrong, but I thought the way they set this world up was that okay, Sabrina's 16th birthday, she has to basically sign her, sign the book of the Dark Lord, which basically means she's a full-fledged wit- witch, and being a witch, you get all these powers and everything. Of course, the downside is is that you have allegiance to the Dark Lord, and of course, she doesn't want to do that. Also, she wants to be human with your human friends. The only thing that I don't get so far, because she hasn't signed the book, because in episode two, she kind of turns back and she says, screws this. I'm not going to do it and everything. And now there's going to be a trial. If she doesn't do it, you don't have a show. So technically she has to sign the book because she, if she, it sounds like they're saying, if you don't sign, you, you basically become mortal and then there's no television show there. So a part of me feels like this is a false stake because we, we want to see her have powers. So, I mean, without spoilers, Allison, am I right or wrong about that? Um, you're wrong. <laughs> and, and you find out very, very quickly that you are wrong. Um, but I mean, if the thing is, you know, I, I, I really don't have anything else to say than I had last week because I didn't see anything more than I saw last week. I but about to say, the, I thought we talked about it last week. Yeah, yeah, we did. And, and my, my opinions of it, you know, haven't changed because I haven't seen more. And part of the reason I haven't seen more is because, you know, it's not that I was completely unentertained by it but i i just didn't feel compelled to see more of it and i have a question for aaron who has finished it would you recommend everybody finish like would you what would you tell allison um well here's the only way i can really put it is that if you are a riverdale a riverdale fan then go ahead and watch okay because it's going to really appeal to the riverdale fans i think um, I think it will. I think, you know, if you, if it, it's the kind of show that either you're interested in it or you're not. I, I have to be quite honest, it's polarizing a bit. Um, I enjoyed it for what it was. Um, will I continue watching season two? I can't say that for certain. Um, but I think that there were interesting elements. The thing that I liked about the show that went on from all the way from, I guess, like episode four to the end is that I like when a protagonist makes mistakes, makes choices, makes definitive decisions, does something, screws everything up, and then works hard to try and fix it or loses the battle and then starts a new battle. So that happens consistently throughout, but it is filled with quite a bit of teen angst because she is a a, a teenager. Um, And uh, it does get um, a bit, I won't say slow, but it just gets a bit 
it's 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 just gets a bit weird <laughs> and mo- um, that's about the best way to put it. Also, I think that with the, the whole book and the Dark Lord, um, I, I don't know if it followed through as well as I think it could have, or I think that some certain things, I don't want to give anything away, but I think certain things should have happened sooner as opposed to when they did later in the episodes or later in the season. So I have to say, if you're a fan, watch it. If you're not a fan of Riverdale or you're not a fan of this type of genre, maybe not so much. All right, let's wrap this one up. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about Daredevil, and we're going to talk about the end of Daredevil. Who, Tom, you finally finished. You hadn't finished so it before, right? finally finished. It was only out for two weekends. <laughs> <laughs> what took you so long? Some of us have families. <laughs> All right. I want to know. So I, I, now that you finished This is probably one think? of my favorite seasons of Marvel Netflix series since season one of Daredevil or season one oh. of Jessica Jones. Yeah. Uh, just the plotting, it didn't feel like there was the typical Netflix bloat. And the way they, boy, did I find out what you meant about episode eight being pivotal. It's like, how far into it are you? It made it really hard to say anything uh, about that. I know, episode. right? It, what's fascinating is they kind of, the, the Daredevil storyline I referred to last week is called Born Again from the mid-80s. And yes. basically, Karen Karen goes on extremely hard times and becomes a heroin junkie. And she sells Matt Murdock's identity to Kingpin for a fix. What? Well, that, can, that yeah. can't happen. That Glad can't they... happen now the way that the show has structured it. But Thank just Lord. that conversation with Karen and Kingpin where he tells, you know, where he tells her he knows who he knows about Matt's other identity and then she's like, I got something you don't know. Remember Wesley? I killed him. It's like, <laughs> which was not the smartest thing for her to do. <laughs> no, not at all. Because he's like, I am going to CYLLU. <laughs> but no, I was, I, uh, I sped through the, the remaining episodes just out of the intellectual need to find out what happened. And man, I love the actor who played uh, Ray. The, F, uh, the FBI agent. Oh, Nadine? Oh, yeah. Nadine. Yeah. He was terrific. I, Jay Ali is his name, and I hope he does lots and lots more stuff. Because yeah. he's, I mean, he's charismatic. He, I didn't think he would survive to the end of the series, and of course I was right. I was about to say, I'm However, pretty sure he comma, didn't. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. However, comma, I was glad to see how they worked him into episode 13. Oh, yeah, yeah. He yes. still had impact. Yeah. He still had impact. Oh, yeah. Which was fantastic. He went out and, with style. He did. Yeah. And I was glad his wife did realize that he was. I mean, it is so rare to do a, a tragic hero like that. I mean, yeah. he's essentially a good guy, but makes some bad decisions and has to pay for them. And and but um, yeah, no, I, I just thought the whole series, uh, the thing with uh, with with Bullseye gunning or, or killing the priest in the in the cathedral, it's like, oh, that dude, was crazy. Yeah, you're going straight yeah. to hell. <laughs> <laughs> But no, I just loved it. And and the reveal with Vanessa, I mean, yeah. and the, the Netflix program guy was so deceptive. It's like Kingpin's long-awaited long reunion with Vanessa does not go as planned because she <laughs> wants in on the action. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. No, I just thought it was immensely satisfying. And yeah. I'll oh, wait, wait, be... what, what about that moment? 
where Kingpin goes to get the painting from the woman, that, that woman, and and she tells him why she's not giving him the painting. And they have yeah. a really interesting discussion. He's like, all right, you can keep painting. Uh, yeah. I thought that was really bold and just, yeah, I felt it. It was a brilliant. It was a brilliant scene, um, and I, I really thought that it was it was beautifully acted. It was beautifully written, um, and I thought that it was one of those things that make uh, Kingpin such a great character because he's he's so three dimensional. He's not just a mustache twirling bad guy. Um, he's a person who who has all different shades to his character, mm-hmm. including mm-hmm. the ability. I mean, he actually does have the ability to empathize as as psychopathic as he can be. And he has he, the ability to feel respect for people and to empathize with them. Right, and, and he's he not re- a sociopath. Yeah, and he really loves Vanessa, and you know yeah, that. He does. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know that. Um, he, yeah, that, and, and, we, but and when the painting shows up in the in the in the uh, in his in his pad. And you just see that little blood sp- smear on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then Vanessa asks, ask uh, Bullseye about it. And he says, I was able to convince her. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> well, well, this, this is what I love about the show so much is that the way that they can craft villains, this is the best of the best of the best for me of all the Netflix superhero series because the way the villains are crafted, they are so three dimensional. Bullseye, we see he has, uh, he's, he's just, you know, he's seeking that father figure, seeking that validation, doesn't get it. He goes cuckoo and does all his North things. Star. Yes, I love that. And I love that we see all of the different sides of everybody. And that's what makes it interesting. The three-way battle between Kingpin, Bullseye, and Daredevil uh, in Kingpin's loft. Phenomenal. Watching Kingpin fight against each other. You know yeah. what I mean? So yeah. I thought that, that was genius. And Daredevil was the one who kept trying to save Vanessa. I, I just thought that that was great in the midst of all of that carnage. But my favorite, favorite, oh man, I applauded when I saw this, was at the end when Daredevil, where Matt Murdock had to finally get his morality back, get the bloodlust off of himself and make a deal with the devil. And oh, he right. had to make a deal in a way that only Kingpin would agree to and mm-hmm. adhere to. Because anything else, Kingpin could turn on you in a second. But mm-hmm. anything with Vanessa, he's going to stick to it. And right. I thought that, that was a brilliant scene. Oh, my gosh. Did I love that. <laughs> I'm sorry. As a comic book fan, and this is from the David Mazzucchelli Born Again uh, um, series in the comic books way back, I think it was like in the 80s. 80s I was yeah. cheering throughout this entire season. Um, only slight tiny little issue I had is that I just thought that it wrapped up a little bit too neatly in the end. Yep. But I think that that could be because of the whole Disney Netflix thing that like, well, let's end this thing right so that we can have closure to this entire thing in case we don't get another Daredevil again. But <laughs> yeah. other than that, genius, genius, genius. And I'm going to watch the whole thing again. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on. Uh Next up, we're going to talk about Homecoming. You guys have like two minutes. We're way behind time. So tell me what you thought of Homecoming. Should we watch it? Should we pass? Let me know. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll describe what I said to Olivia when I got here today. Strike one, it's from the dude from Mr. Robot, Sam Esmiel. Strike two, it's a half-hour drama. Okay. I watched two episodes. I don't hate it. I don't love it. It's got a strong mm-hmm. cast. Julia Roberts it's a great, it's a solid performance by her, but it's not life-changing. Mm-hmm. Um, and right now, two episodes in, 
there's a mystery, but it's not the most engaging mystery. There are these weird flash forwards where we go from a widescreen aspect ratio to a four by three a- to a square aspect ratio. <laughs> okay. And I'm just like, what? <laughs> so yeah, Homecoming is it's basically it's a recovery center for uh, for veterans coming back from combat, mm-hmm. but something's going on nefarious possibly. And in the future, Shay Wiggum from lots of stuff shot in New York asks her, <laughs> Julia Roberts, who is left under dubious conditions, were they there voluntarily? Bum bum bum. Yeah, okay. that's pretty much that's pretty much it. Um when when I was when I was tuning into it, it was because I'd I'd seen a lot of great reviews that it had. It was supposed to be terrific. And the thing is, for me, I'm I'm finding it to be more style over substance. Uh-huh. And it is very stylish. It is. I mean, <laughs> the whole thing of changing the aspect ratios when we do the flash forwards uh, is, is really interesting. All the cinematography is gorgeous. The set designs, everything else is beautifully done. And they do this thing with the music... Um, which apparently every single episode has a different musical theme where they use some kind of vintage, really over-the-top style of music. Like the, the very first episode opens up with like romance music from 1950s films. And the, the next one after that is like, you know, 50s sci-fi theremin sounds. And the ne- one after that is noir. And so each each episode seems to follow the pattern of whatever musical theme they've used. And, and it's a, a really over-the-top musical theme. But, um, you know, and all of that is really nice, and it would be great if it was in the service of an equally strong story. My problem is that I don't think the story is nearly as interesting as any of the, the technical things they've done in the service of it. Um, I mean, yes, there's a mystery, and it gets more interesting as they get, you know, along to it. Um, I'm I'm as far as episode six, so I know what's pretty much what's going on. But it takes them so long before you actually have an idea of what's going on. But you, you know, you're told at the beginning that yes, there's there's you know well, something underhanded say, and terrible but, but we, i want to wrap this up i don't want yeah i just want to i don't want to spend a lot of time on it so can we no i'm i'm i was just going to say that there's there's you know being told that something that there's an interesting mystery and actually being given stuff that you can feel is an interesting mystery are two different things and i think that this show kind of fails on that but i i will be watching at least to the end of this season to see if it does manage to deliver you have inspired me. Well, there's two me seasons, all. just so you know. Amazon yeah. bought two. Yeah. Well, you've Great. inspired me to uh, not watch it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's move on. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about Titans. And this Ooh. episode was called Doom Patrol. And what I found is the people who know the comics and know who Doom Patrol is love this episode. And the people yeah. who have never heard of Doom Patrol are like, <laughs> meh. Really? So, I. I. <laughs> Go ahead, this Tom. comic book fan. I don't know if I don't know if Aaron's watched is watched. Oh, I Titans. did. Oh, I have. Yes. Here's the thing. <laughs> I like the Doom Patrol. I don't love the Doom Patrol. There are people at DC Comics who feel the incessant need to resurrect this group many, <laughs> many, many times. And 
Episode four of Titans is also the backdoor pilot for the forthcoming Doom Patrol series. I know. Yes. Well, that's too and early. The, you don't do a backdoor at, pilot at episode four? Sorry. And exactly. the big news is they got Matt Bomer to do the voice of Negative Man. And they never showed him doing his thing, by the way, which was right. inexcusable. And they got uh, Brendan Fraser, because what else is he doing? Yeah, I said it. <laughs> they got him to do the voice of Robot Man. I thought it was an okay I thought that episode. was Brendan Fraser in those pictures. Sorry. I thought it was I crazy. It, I was like, is that Brendan Fraser? That can't be Brendan Fraser. I thought I was nuts. All right. No. Continue. I thought it was an okay episode. For me, the, the thing, positive things about this episode, we finally get all four of them together. Yes. Negative things about the episode. You didn't do enough of them with all four of them together. Thank you. You spent so much time yeah. establishing the Doom Patrol, which I'm sorry, I just don't find them that interesting and compelling. Well, my problem is you finally get Beast Boy. We finally learn about him. He has interesting interactions with Rachel. I buy the two of them becoming friends. The problem I have is at the very end of the episode, he gets knocked out, right? And he wakes up and his friends are like, you should go with them. And he should have been like, who are these guys? He hasn't met them yet, yet he's getting in a car and leaving with these other two characters that he doesn't know at all. Um, and so, yes, all four of them are finally together, but they're not a team. And we're at episode four. Why are they not a team? Because they're spending so much time doing, introducing all these other characters instead of getting our team together. And I'm very frustrated. I will say that I I read an interview with, um, with Jeff Johns, one of the showrunners, and we do not have to wait the entire season for them to become a team. And evidently, they, they formed the team pretty quickly. But yeah, that's a problem. Uh, it's not quickly enough for me. Yeah. <laughs> and we spend way too much time with people who are not them. Yeah. yeah I, and they didn't do Elastigirl right. That was just weird. They didn't. And, and we not... spent all that time with Hawk and Dove, like in the last what? episode. I'm like, why are we spending time with all these people who are not part of the team? Well, Hawk and Dove are ancillary members. They are. They yeah, are but you introduce and, them uh, after you've established your team. This is not how yeah. you do it. This is like DC in their movies where they're doing stuff wrong. <laughs> where they are like, let's start with Justice League and have the whole t- like what? No. Exactly. Ah, sorry, I'm being frustrated. I think that because the decision was made to to make Rachel kind of the. The mystery of Raven is the the arc that's driving season one. Right. Because that was the decision they made. Everything's focused on introducing Raven, protecting Raven, which is why we are introduced to care. I'm not defending it. I'm just explaining the rationale. I see what, like I saw the episodes, I get what they're doing, but they could have still done that protecting Raven with the team. And then that's how the team forms. But instead we're getting all these other people because they're concerned about their other properties. They're like, Oh, let's introduce doom patrol. It's too early. It's way too early. Yeah. I I don't disagree with you. I do agree. I think doom patrol should have come a little bit later. I'm a fan of doom patrol. um, read the comic books. So this particular iteration is a very original doom patrol group. I think that it should have come much later. Only reason being because then we could have seen maybe an origin story. If they want to go into an origins of beast boy, we could have received it from that. And then that could have been a launch for them. But, um, you know, my only concern now as somebody who hated, hated 
the pilot, I've grown to really like the show along the way. I think it's getting better and better. Um, uh, I'm getting a- more frustrated oh. with it. <laughs> but I but think I think your frustration like, is going to be alleviated next episode. I, I hope so. You know, I haven't seen the next episode yet, so hopefully it will be. But um, my only concern about the entire arc of this Titans uh, show is that they want to talk about Raven and they want to talk about her background and her, her it, this is dark Phoenix level stuff. If you know what I mean? So, uh-huh. so huge. I don't know if you can tell it in a few episodes. I don't think you can discover Raven's story in one season. So I'm, that's my only concern. I hope it doesn't get rushed because the reveal is going to be so massive of who her father is that. Um, and the fact that he can, pretty much wipe out the world. I'm hoping that they take their time with that, but I do hope that they make a team out of them and give the team a focus and a purpose. So far, it seems like everything is just to protect Raven, which might be fine, but I, I just hope that they they gel them together more and we have more purpose of why they are a team. But I'm on board for the show. Have, right. you, seen, have you seen Justice League versus Teen Titans animated film? I yes. have. Yeah, because, yeah. All right, let's move on. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about Bodyguard, and that was a BBC show, and it was supposed to be airing here somewhere. I don't know. Somebody told me it was airing, and I was like, okay, let's watch it. Because I already had it, and I just hadn't watched it yet. And so, uh, Yusun, you we're only going to talk about the first two. I know you got super excited and watched a lot. I, I'm almost done. I've been muting you folks and watching the last episode. Oh, come on! <laughs> Come on! I can't believe I just admitted that. But there are plenty of shows that I don't watch, and I was like, I have to find out what happens next. Wow! I am Twenty minutes from the end of the entire series, I got plenty to say. I have We're plenty only to say. talking about the first two episodes because that's all I've seen. Fine. <laughs> Fine, I will. I will. I will try to remember where to stop. Where um, you stop is that creepy look he has on his face uh, when she, when they like because there's this moment like in the very beginning of the first episode you were talking about false intimacy where he had to take off his shirt so she could wear it and yes. they were like building some tension between Sexual the two tension. of them. Yeah, and yeah. then the second episode it just pretty much explodes all over the place. And yep. um, you can tell she's going to make a move on him. And I was like, yep. I didn't know what he was going to do because we know as an audience, he's contemplating killing her. Like what I like the twist of bodyguard is that they show that he's a hero and that he does really brave things, but they also show that he hates politicians and oh, that he, re- yeah, because of his PTSD and everything. And he had, he really, really talk about radicalizing someone He's on the verge of being radicalized and he's her bodyguard and he kind of wants to kill her. So they're showing his like he's like trying to pump himself up to do it. And he's talking to one of his friends and they're talking about how they could kill her and all this other stuff. And I was like, that's a twist. The body, your bodyguard is trying to kill you. Um, So I thought that that was an interesting twist to it. But then when his friend goes and does it himself and tries to kill her, then he's like, holy crap. And he gets mad about it. And then they end up having sex. And I was like, that's weird. Like, does he want to have sex with her? Like, I'm not, I wasn't clear at that point in the episode. And don't tell me, Yuzun, um, 
where his head was at. And then when the episode two ends, they're having sex again. And she says something about how much she cares about him. And you see the look on his face. And it's all dark. Like she can't see his, the look, but we, as the audience can, you could tell, even though he's technically having sex with her at the moment, he's still kind of thinking about killing her. So that was really twisted. And I totally loved it. <laughs> Buckle up, girl. Buckle up. <laughs> a bumpy ride. Um, that is the brilliance of the show. I mean, I'm going to talk about it in, in generalities for multiple reasons because there are a bunch of spoilers and I definitely don't want to give out any. But what is brilliant about the show is I could actually give out spoilers and you still wouldn't know what's going on. It's it's pretty complicated, and I love that about it. I mean, here's here's what I'll say in general. Uh, the show looks good. It's not particularly special. It, it kind of comes off, as the episodes go along, it kind of is a procedural, kind of, you know, a cop-ish kind of a thing. Um, you know, so I'm not saying, oh, the cinematography's amazing, it, this, that, whatever. It's shot, it looks kind of like a film. It reminds me a lot of Soderbergh. I haven't seen a movie of his in a long time. And in fact... Uh, it remi- this made me think of like, ooh, this would have made a really good two and a half hour movie. Or the opposite. If we, if I had seen this in the theater, I might have said, oh, man, I wish they had the time to like take their time and make this into like a mini series or a series. Which is what they did. It's only exactly, six episodes. That's, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, so I you kind of I got my wish. I got what I didn't even know I wanted. You know, it's so like for me, um, the show when I saw, when I heard the word bodyguard and I thought, oh, my God, is this going to be like a British version of, you know, the Whitney Houston movie? And I thought, <laughs> I definitely don't want to see this, you know. And then, like you said, by the second episode, they're hitting the sack and everything. And I thought, oh, Lord. Um, and the one twist, you know, was and it's a big one and a good one is is the conflict of him, you know kind of hating her, despising her, whatever. But that's the brilliance of the show. It really keeps you guessing. It reminded me a little bit of that, oh, I forgot the name of that movie, Tinker, Taylor, Soldier, or something, whatever. Spy. Um, Tinker, Taylor, Soldier, Spy. There you go. So um, so the, the point is, I love the show because I'm a big, you know, end guesser. I'm always, get, oh, that's the bad guy. Oh, that's going to happen. Oh, they're going to, you know. And I, you know, and I was able to figure out a few of those. But like I said, even when you figure them out, you're still like, and I still don't know what's going on. So like, <laughs> I, I love that the, they just keep you guessing. And I literally have no idea how it's going to end. And there's a ton of red herrings. And instead of being gratuitous, I mean, you could look at it as like, oh, they're making you think it's this person. Or they're making you think this is going to happen. Oh, but it doesn't. It doesn't. Instead of being patronizing, it's, it's actually very interesting. It's very – because they don't actually, you know um, – you know, they don't actually disabuse you of the red herring. They're just kind of throwing it out there, then pulling it back in and then throwing it out there. And you're just, and my head's exploding, but in a really fun, good way. It's, it's a tight show. It's, there's not a lot of wasted scenes. Oh, and did we say it's starring Rob Stark of the, Oh, I was going to hold that to the end. I was going to hold that to the end. Um, And to, to wrap up, I will say that, um, it is absolutely worth watching. It is probably the first show in a long time that I have absolutely binged. I mean, to the you know detriment She's, of. No I was about to say thing. she started this like at eleven o'clock last night because I was I was one episode ahead of her last night. 
Yes, yes. <laughs> and I mean, there were no potty breaks. There were no food breaks. There was nothing. It was just, I was just like in bed with my iPad and I was like, oh, this is good. And and it does not hurt, let me tell you, that um, Rob Stark, is it Rob Stark? Was it yep, Rob Stark? Yep, it's Rob Stark. Um, yep. You know, is this, you know, emo, moody, conflicted hottie of a bodyguard, you know, um, so he's got this physical, you know, prowess and he's got, and he, and he's sharp minded. So, you know, he's, he's smart. He's, I mean, he's just dreamy. I don't know. Do people still use that word? Um, <laughs> so it's, it's, it's a nice contrast of, um, you got, you, you know, he's a heartthrob, but they don't play him off even remotely as a heartthrob. The show is way too intelligent to do that. Um, but she sure is nice eye candy. Um, it's got a very involved plot. It's got solid, solid acting, and it's keeping me guessing. So as far as I'm concerned, after the show, I didn't finish, finish, but I had a tiny little break right before I went to bed. I was like, I have got to get to sleep. I jumped online, and it turns out that it is, I think, if I'm quoting this properly, the highest rated drama in Britain in 10 years. Mm. So the most watched. And they people were saying... Uh, you know how you know how I always go on about this is my laundry show or this is my cleaning the kitchen show. The article made a point to say that people are riveted and are doing nothing but watching the show when the show aired. You know, it's over now, so you know it's finished there. Um, so That's yeah, so crazy I don't know. talk. Not doing anything while watching a TV show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Who it's does like it's that? a prime entertainment form or something. All right, guys, we got to wrap this up. We got to wrap this up. No, anyway, I say go. I say, I say, you know, uh, there is absolutely nothing standing between you and watching this show except you. So just watch the show. All right. So, uh, guys, let's you wrap up. Had me up. a dreamy Rob Stark. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, guys. This is the wrap of episode four hundred. Woo! So. Woo-hoo! If you have any questions or comments, send them to tvcampfire at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter or on Facebook. You can listen to us on getthepointradio.com, Krypton Radio, We Now and iTunes. And we'll talk to you guys next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.